You're listening to the Food Freedom Podcast, hosted by me, Dylan Murphy, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Food Freedom Podcast explores the topics of intuitive eating, mindset, and body respect to help you create a lifestyle of lasting food freedom. We believe it's possible to feel confident in your food choices and connected to your body. And here on the Food Freedom Podcast, we will show you how. I'm the owner of Free Method Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice helping women make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. We welcome all foods over here, from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. I want to start just by having you introduce yourself to the audience, and for those who don't know you, just um, who you are, what you do a little bit into that yeah um okay so my name is Catherine. some people a lot of people call me cat <laughs> you call me cat right mm-hmm. okay um, I do. okay so i am a therapist and i have a private practice uh called uh i almost said it's called you need therapy <laughs> That would be hilarious. Okay, I have a podcast called Unique Therapy, and I have a private practice in Nashville called Three Chords Therapy, and I specialize, I see more than just eating disorders, but I specialize in eating disorders and have really since the beginning of me being a therapist, um, started my training. And so, yeah, anything else that I need to share about that part of my life? Well, I can, I was about to ask you what kind of got you into therapy or being a therapist, I guess. I just, this is so funny. I posted something about this the other day on Instagram because I get that question all the time Mm -hmm. of what made you want to be a therapist. And I think a lot of people have these experiences that they go through and they're like, oh, now I want to go help that population or help with that specific thing. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have that. I think that when we talk about my journey of becoming a therapist, it started because mm-hmm. I was in college and I needed to know what I was going to do after college. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know. And then a, uh, a teacher of mine or a professor of mine suggested I look into that. And at first mm-hmm. I was like, no, because I don't understand therapists. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I was like, I don't get it. Like, how do you train somebody to like know how to, say the right things to people. Yeah. That's like what I thought that was in my head. So, but anyway, I did it because I needed to do something after college. <laughs> and then um, I had my own experience and my own personal story involving eating, disordered eating that turned into an eating disorder and then finding my recovery. And throughout that process, I decided like, this is something that is, gets me heated and also like, yeah, me a lot of joy too. And so I wanted to focus in that. So a roundabout way, I became a therapist because mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do with my life. And, <laughs> I, I, really you. <laughs> and I kept being a therapist because I actually found that I really enjoy it. And it, yeah. And like, that's how you found like your niche from your yeah. background, like your own personal experience. So tell me more about that. Then you mentioned disordered eating that turned it into an eating disorder. Tell me a little more about your journey with food, yeah. body image, all that. Yeah. Well, it all started in fifth grade. Oh. <laughs> Way really. back. No, I, that's, really yeah, that's normal. So I think that if you were to ask me that 
in short, I could say it started mm-hmm. in college. Um, my behave, my my more um, evident behavior started in college, but the belief system about my body, mm-hmm. food, started really when I was in elementary school, and so I grew up kind of just like always thinking that like there was something wrong with my body and my body wasn't mm-hmm. good, and the things that I I have or don't have are because of the way my body looks, and then fast forward that in college I. Um, went on a diet and started mm-hmm. counting my calories, using my fitness pal, regimenting my exercise and taking diet pills, which turned into a ton of other stuff too. Mm-hmm. And um, so it started as like just a diet to lose weight, turned into mm-hmm. a obsession, turned into an actual eating disorder um, through the success of the diet. If that mm-hmm. makes, that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. More, I was, the more I was losing from this diet, the more I was becoming obsessed with it, the more it was fueling and I was finding evidence to prove that all of my st- problems and stuff was attached to what my body looked like. Yeah. And that turned into like making myself small, not in the sense of like my body mm-hmm. was small, but like my world was really small and, and mm-hmm. pretty sad. I don't know that I would have described it that way because- uh-huh. I wouldn't want to admit that that was something that wasn't working for me, but yeah. So turned into full on eating disorder as I'm going in to become a therapist. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> Which you're not alone in that either. Yeah. I feel like yeah. A lot of people have that story. Well, I think that too, I didn't know that I was doing anything wrong. Mm, yeah. So I thought that I was, I found this new like successful, healthy lifestyle and I just thought I was really good at it. Mm-hmm. So people are like, now I can look at myself being like, you were trapped and you were obsessed. I just thought like, no, I'm dedicated and I'm really good. At yeah. And um, I think a lot of people in tons of different avenues of their life think that like, no, I'm just really good at this or I'm just really like dedicated. I just have a lot of willpower. And it's like, yes. And maybe there's more to that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned, like shrinking, not only your size, but your world. And so seeing like, okay, I'm probably really good at this because I'm not letting myself go out to dinner with friends or I'm restricting the food that I'm having or seeing like how your just quality of life is being impacted by it. And I'm sure you were probably getting compliments from people or comments of like, wow, you're so healthy. How do you have so much willpower or just like random things like that, that, encourage you in your behaviors of like, okay, I must be doing something good. Like I'm seeing results. People are noticing. So I need to keep doing this. Um, yeah. yeah. Got all. Yeah. I think that is that all that happened. So I was doing a good job because I didn't have to, I didn't put myself in situations where I have the opportunity to not, mm-hmm. um, but I was also doing a good job of not having a life, you know? Yeah. And, and then um, the compliments. Yeah. There, and there was a lot of them and especially early on mm-hmm. now that plateaued. Mm-hmm. So as I was losing, as I was changing my body, that was coming on pretty strong and frequently. And then it became just who I was. And so yeah. people don't compliment that if, if, if it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it's like they're used to it. They don't have to tell me every single time they see me. Yes. 
So yes. that kind of plateaued and, and so then it became like I had to validate myself in my mm-hmm. eating disorder, which is a whole other mix, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Yeah. So then what did it look like to walk away from that and get to a place of like not being or not intentionally pursuing weight loss and not dieting and walking away from your eating disorder, which I know that's a like a whole episode. Like that's a long, that could be a, a huge long answer, but I mean, in short, like cliff notes, like yeah. what did that look like to walk away from all that? It looked like going to therapy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looked like admitting that it wasn't working anymore. So that's what it really looked like. It looked like me looking at my life and identifying, is this the way I, I want it to be forever? Is this, is this good enough for me? Mm-hmm. And is having my body look a certain way worth my, my life looking the way it does? And also like, it took me admi- like admitting that like you can't help people. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot help people find recovery for, because that's, it was so inauthentic. And even if I understood mm-hmm. what recovery was for other people, it wasn't that for me. And how am I going to go and dig into somebody's stuff and, and preach and express this truth in this way out if I wasn't willing to, to take it. How could I ever find yeah. success with others? I would be doing harm. And mm-hmm. um, I had to recognize that if I wanted to keep, because I was on track to, to do what I wanted to do. If I wanted to, to do that, I had to let go of some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't super easy. I say that in like a couple sentences, but it was yeah. like years of me like wrestling Yes, which I feel like that's important to note because I that's probably a very common question I get from new clients that will ask like, so how long do you think this journey will take? How long does do clients typically work with you? And one, it's like, well, there's not really like a clear answer. Like some people it takes a long time, some people it doesn't. But like you said, it's like, even though you described that in a few sentences, it took lots of unpacking. Yeah. Yeah, because I think there's a big difference in like logic and me understanding logic and me feeding myself enough mm-hmm. food to be able to yes. cognitively understand logic. And then mm-hmm. once I get that, then there's a whole other side of the brain that it's, it's all emotional. And so mm-hmm. I had the logic for a long time, but it was the emotional part that took time and that there isn't a there isn't a, t- like I can say to a client, I can explain to you what's going on in one session. Mm-hmm. I can explain to you how, why this doesn't line up with, with your belief system in one session, but I can't make you believe that in one session. Yeah. That takes like repetitiveness. That takes like digging into like where all this stuff came from. That, that takes a lot of discomfort. Like mm-hmm. that takes a lot. Yeah, a lot of unpacking. And so then when you say someone's belief systems, expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, so I think that, I mean, there's definitely layers to that question, but I think that for me, there was two belief systems that I kind of had to punch through and what I kind of help clients now Mm -hmm. unmask is one is like these core beliefs of like, what are these things you grew up with around what, who you are, 
and and what you need to be to the world and how you gain um, belonging and love and attention. So there's all those kinds of beliefs, which I had a lot of those that were rooted in some mm-hmm. some true experiences, but false interpretations. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is like the belief about my body and mm-hmm. what it looks like and, and what its value is. And my body became a coping skill for me. And I had to change how I related to it mm-hmm. because, and this is, I'm, if I need to repeat this, let me know. I can yeah. explain it again. But so if my body had become this way of coping and gaining this self-acceptance and love and attention, because, you know, love mm-hmm. was attention to me, I, one, was somewhat abusing it in order mm-hmm. to get my need met. So that's one thing of like, I had this weird relationship with my body. Like we didn't really like each other very much. Yeah. And then the other part is um, my body was the thing that like helped me, my body changing how I related to my body helped me survive a lot of really tough things. And mm-hmm. so I had to switch what I thought my body and how it looked. I had to switch how I related to that because mm-hmm. um if it if my eating disorder body was something that I bonded to to help me survive like traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't want to get rid of that. Yeah, because my eating disorder body was very safe. Mm. So I had to retrain all of that stuff, that belief system of wait a second, your eating disorder body is actually really hurting you now. Mm. It's not helping. Yeah. Yeah. And learning what actually is safe and what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's easy for your eating disorder to convince you that you are safe at the size that you were in in that body or, you know, you need your eating disorder to control X, Y, and Z. But then when you can start to tap into the opposite of that and letting go of your eating disorder and finding what like safety looks like, in a body that's not controlled by your eating disorder. It's hard, but I feel like very freeing too. Yeah. And if, if my, um, like, I'm trying to decide, figure out how to word this, but if my life in, in all of my okayness, I guess, if like Mm -hmm. my ability to regulate comes from controlling what my body looks like, it's going to be really hard for me to look at a different size or a different mm-hmm. version of that body and feel regulated. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to tell myself like, wait, your body isn't controlled. You're out of control. Your body isn't controlled. Yeah. You're not okay. And like, that's not actually not true. What my body looks like has very little to do with if I'm really okay emotionally or not mm. which I feel like it is like the opposite of what society tells us because I hear that as a fear a lot for clients like well if I gain weight people are going to think I've you know quote-unquote let myself go or that I'm lazy or really digging into basically what people 
like why people fear gaining weight. And it's because all of those thoughts that our society tells us of like, you're going to be lazy, you'll be judged. So it's letting go. It's knowing like, yeah, that's true in our society, but it doesn't, it shouldn't be true. Like it's messed up. Yeah. And I think that that's the belief system of what your body, what your body is like my body image, how I view my body really um, is attached to me being okay or not me being good or bad. And they, Mm -hmm. they really, they aren't that like what my body looks like is not an internal picture of my system Mm -hmm. in my heart. Because when I had a much different looking body, I was in a larger body and my insides were not regulated. They were not okay. And I can be in the body I'm in now and feel totally okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. So explain to me in terms of, you kind of just talked about with body image. So I hear, well, hold on, I'm going to phrase this differently. So explain to me what the difference, so when we hear body image, another word we hear um, used is like body dysmorphia and what I see with clients and even like conversations I have on Instagram and in real life, there's a lot of confusion between what like a negative body image is and what body dysmorphia is. And I think a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but I know people who find like think that they're one in the same. Yeah. And so in talking about body image, tell me uh, kind of, the definition between the two, like where they're different and like how they may present in someone. Okay. So you can have both of them at once, but they are different things. And one doesn't necessarily mean the other body dysmorphia is more related to the idea of distorted body image. Like Mm -hmm. in body dysmorphia, you truly are seeing something that is different than what you are. And that's a distorted body image. It doesn't have to be negative. You might like it. You might not. It very well can be negative body image. Mm -hmm. But that happens when like the interoceptive messages we have inside of us are changing the way we see ourselves, whether that's when we're dysregulated or whether that's because we are still sitting in this space of my body image helps regulate me. Mm. So, or if I'm still sitting in this, like, and this goes back and this is more complicated, but this goes Mm -hmm. back into if I, if my um, attachment to okayness and and body happened when I was like eight years old, I might still be seeing that version of me, this version that I was told was wrong or bad today because I haven't healed that, that experience, Mm -hmm. that trauma. So that's body dysmorphia. A lot of people are like, well, we'll just tell them that that's not what they, you can't tell somebody that's not real because to mm-hmm. them it is real. It almost can make them feel a little crazy. Yeah. And yeah. I know people used to do a lot of body tracings to show the differences of like, that's mm-hmm. not really what you look like. And people don't do that as much anymore for multiple reasons. Yes. But I think that that that's just sticking with logic and body mm-hmm. image is so much more than just logic. Now mm-hmm. negative body image is just generally like, I don't like what I see and mm-hmm. any, we can all, we all have moments of that. Yeah. For that. Um, and that can be attached to the distorted and the dysmorphia, but just because you have negative body image doesn't mean you have distorted Mm. or dysmorphia and the other way around. Yeah. Um, And does that answer the question? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So then with body dysmorphia to kind of repeat what you said, like, yes, a lot of times you may have 
negative body image with it, but you might not. Like you may see something that isn't accurate, but you may like it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because yeah. think about too of um you might see uh, a much smaller body. So like a very, very small body that, um, or let me, let me rephrase that. You might see a body that you like, mm-hmm. but it's a very sick body, mm-hmm. a very unhealthy body. Mm-hmm. And that gets in the way of recovery a lot of times because it's like, no, I like this, but a lot of times they don't see that like, oh my, like you look ill, like you actually Mm -hmm. look ill. And I think a lot of people get really confused on the outside of eating disorder work that are like, how does that person like looking like that? Yeah. You know, and it's because Mm -hmm. they don't truly see all the times what you see. And Mm -hmm. especially people who are malnourished, it's like their brain cognitively. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But that that is something that happens commonly just it goes both ways it's not just people that have distorted body image don't just see bigger bodies Mm -hmm. yeah so sometimes they see they're not able to see like you mentioned like oh my body is probably way too small but in my eyes it looks good like this is yeah it doesn't always be big or small it's like how do i view that how am i viewing Mm -hmm. what am i actually seeing when i when i look at this picture Mm -hmm. um so a few questions I have off that you were talking about with body dysmorphia. So when someone's looking at like a picture, looking at themselves, their reflection in a mirror, like are they, and this may be different like person to person, but do you find that it's a lot of times they're like focused on one specific piece of their body, like my stomach, my legs, that sort of thing? Or is it more so just their whole body in general that they're either like, dissatisfied with or see differently whether they're satisfied or dissatisfied does that make sense yeah I think that it there's not a definite answer to that I think some people focus on specific parts of their body based on their story and some people can Mm -hmm. focus on the whole thing um Mm -hmm. it looks different in different people Mm -hmm. yeah and so then how do you uh, figure out and this is probably a long-winded question but how do you figure out if someone is like struggling with body dysmorphia like how do you help them realize that you don't just like yeah basically how do you help them see like or help them understand like what you're seeing in the mirror is not true or like yeah I don't know how you would even technically say that to them but yeah how do you help them realize like I think you're struggling with body dysmorphia well so I think that that generally doesn't it, t- it might take a little bit for me to understand or me to mm-hmm. see that way you see something different and it's through their language and how they talk about themselves. Yeah. Right. And I'm not in their body, so I'm not experiencing and I don't have an experience their their experiences. So I see a mm-hmm. clear picture of them. They mm-hmm. are seeing a picture of themselves through a screen of their own stuff and emotional wounding mm-hmm. and survival. So it might just take me hearing them talk about themselves and understanding how they view themselves a little bit and then I can be like oh okay like they they have a different picture of this and then the work uh-huh. is the second part of that is like well how do you help somebody understand that I think it's one pulling on the logic like I don't just mm-hmm. say like you don't look like that just so you know trust me okay yeah. bye they're like okay I know I don't look like this it's like yeah. I, I express it like hey I, I think that what you see is a little bit different than 
what's really going on. Um, I want you to know that, that I see something a little bit different and I can do that because I'm not in your body. And mm. so it, that is cluing me in that we have some work to do around, around your story and your story that you have placed around your body and it's like safeness and okayness. And so that's where I, we go through more of like therapy, therapy, like yeah. looking, at stuff, looking at your story, figuring out those core beliefs seeing when those happened, where, what was the story about food and body and what you looked like? How did you cope with those, the feelings that you felt growing up? And mm-hmm. once you kind of get to do some of that work, they start to understand that like, oh, maybe this was not truth. This is just the meaning I made out of this based on my experience and how I processed it. Mm-hmm. And then stuff starts to unfold. So that's like a very confusing answer that probably isn't very helpful but no, there's, that's not like helpful. A, there's not like a three-step process to it yeah. it's just like okay yeah. let's go dig into this and let's yeah and it's through experience too so mm. so um, the emotional side of your brain is re it reprocesses through experience so mm. just telling that's why just telling something to somebody doesn't make them believe it they have to experience something to believe it which is excruciating when it comes to eating Mm. disorders and body image because to experience what we need them to experience they have to go through a lot of discomfort Mm -hmm. and they have to challenge a lot of beliefs that really feel real so it's like i know i know how hard it is like Mm. i don't minimize it like i know i don't believe the things you believe but i know you do Mm -hmm. so almost makes you feel a little crazy because they're like, okay, I'm going to trust you, but this still is uncomfortable. And yeah. I don't know how this is going to help me. Mm. So to add, like it's the therapy and then it's taking some of that stuff and going and experience it in real life. Mm. So then they can like rewrite that thought. Cause it's, it sounds like too, that they're from lived experience, from growing up, from the beliefs that they've created, they've told them, selves that this thing is true that like my body looks like xyz what however they may perceive themselves but then through lived experiences after that it's helping them challenge like okay what i have believed to be true for so long may not actually be true mm-hmm. and then figuring out like what is true what is actually true versus like what is this like false yeah. reality i'm seeing yeah and like a, a simple example which is like so wild for me to like sit back and in in process now but when I was in my eating disorder I remember being at the beach and staring at them I did so much body checking mm-hmm. because I kept thinking that I was like becoming this giant like huge person mm-hmm. and there was there was something for me wrong attached to that if that was to be the case yeah. I kept check I would check so often and stare at the mirror for so so long and I developed this idea that like, I was, I don't, I was like, literally thought I was pregnant at one point. <laughs> and I don't, I shouldn't even laugh at that. Cause that's not even funny. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's funny when I think about it, cause I'm like, first of all, you had no possibility of being pregnant at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but like, that's how like off my brain mm. was. I was like, yes. thinking that something that was actually impossible was happening to me mm. because I saw my body as like this growing when it wasn't yeah and then and now like I don't I have a very different body than that person and I can look in the mirror and and be like there's nothing wrong with you like Mm -hmm. like 
there's nothing you're and you're definitely not pregnant (laughs) and it's just like that has come through me having these experiences where Mm -hmm. I put myself in situations where I essentially test out those old belief systems Mm -hmm. yeah that's and even to the point like what you're talking about of having that thought way back when of like oh I feel like I'm pregnant and knowing like there's no, like, there's no way I know how that happens and there's no way. (laughs) And, but knowing at that point when you're also not eating enough and so you're not nourishing your body enough, your brain's not nourished enough, your ability to think rationally is not really there. And so thoughts like that seem so true and other eating disorder related thoughts that you have seem so true. So that's where too, I see with all of this, like even having that like baseline of making sure which I mean, it's another piece that makes eating disorder recovery so hard, having that baseline of like, okay, am I nourishing myself enough to be able to support like rational thinking and to be able to navigate like these thoughts and like be able to decipher like what's true and what's not true, mm-hmm. which is hard. Cause it's like, okay, now I'm at the very beginning of this whole recovery journey and you're telling me I need to eat more. Like I, what, but that's what helps a lot. I feel like at the beginning to even be able to like dive into the therapy portion. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to note that like the behaviors are going to come before the beliefs. So Mm -hmm. you said you're going to be eating, you're going to be eating actual meals and feeding yourself before Mm -hmm. the beliefs come. So you might still have a real bad relationship with your body and hate it, but you're going to have to change your behavior and treat it a little kindly before you actually start to like it. Mm. I like that. The behaviors come before the beliefs. Cause that's so true. Like, wow. I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> behaviors <laughs> come before the beliefs. There are so many things I say in sessions with clients and especially my clients who also work with you. I'm like, so Catherine told me this and it's very helpful. Let me just tell you about it. I would love to know what it is. Cause sometimes yeah. I just say random shit and I'm like, wait, no there's so many I feel like you need to write like a book on all the metaphors you like there's some metaphors you use that I like um funny because most of those metaphors come in the moment like I don't like uh uh-huh yes yes I have that too yeah yeah um so then with all this with actually no first there's another question I want to ask on something you said you talked about body tracing and I, it's funny you brought that up because I was just reading something today about how that's like not actually helpful, but I feel like for so long that's been like a super quote unquote, I guess, helpful thing in body image work. So tell me more like why, because like I said, I was just reading about it today. I've never done it with a client because I'm not a therapist but tell me more like why that's not as helpful as maybe people thought it was in the past well I think for one it just stays with logic so mm-hmm. it it only it's a, a logical it to, to be honest I think that I might have done body I don't know if I actually traced their body mm-hmm. I didn't trace their body yeah I, I guess start by first what thing like if people are listening and they're like what the heck is body tracing like maybe first oh help you yeah. what that is okay <laughs> and so then body tracing essentially is body tracing was a like a, a therapeutic tool or um what's the word like, i'm looking for modal no yeah no i don't know but um 
where they would have a client draw what they thought their body looked like and then they would like let them lay down and they would actually trace Mm -hmm. their body so they could compare the two Mm -hmm. and you would use this more often when somebody that you're working with had a very distorted view in thinking that they're a much large in a much larger body than a smaller body there's multiple things wrong with this Mm -hmm. one is because we want them to know that they're seeing something different but we yeah. also send the message that like large bodies are bad bodies. Yeah. And so yeah. that's one thing that w- I had to learn that like ha- the size of my body, it does not matter. It's mm-hmm. how I relate to it and yes. it's how I care for it and how, and how I, like, if I love it or it, it, it's like how I love it and not in the fact that how, if I, how I love what it looks like, but yeah. how I look, love it and my just like care for it. And so mm-hmm. we don't want to be sending any, I think it's, to me personally, it's not worth this, the benefit that it might give if it's going to have yeah. any need to harm, mm. you know? It's kind of yes. like diets, like diets, mm. 5% of people might have success, but it's not worth risking the 95% of, like not yeah. worth the harm. Yeah. And so, although that stat is so skewed, so um, not skewed, it's in wrong. It's just like. Uh-huh. Like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I've like, I think a lot of people are not using that because mm-hmm. large bodies are not bad bodies. Large bodies. Yes. Are bad bodies. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're, there is no like morality to mm-hmm. the size of somebody's body. And the other part is like, it's not super helpful because it's literally just like me saying like, you don't look like that. Yeah. Which is fine, but I don't, I can just tell them that and then we can do the work. It's just logic doesn't work here because um, what is happening is like the actual emotional side of your brain, and I've said this already, is the one that's in charge. So Mm -hmm. I need to focus my time more on tapping into that emotional part of your brain and calming the nervous, your automatic nervous system Mm -hmm. that is is telling you to fight, flight your body Mm -hmm. rather than just being like, there's no, there's no like threat here. Yeah. They have to, that's feel, not gonna change. they have yeah. to feel that there's no threat here. Mm-hmm. If that makes any. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause also, I mean, especially probably depending on the stage of recovery they're at, when you do that body tracing and kind of compare, it makes you think of like a before and after picture in a sense of like, no, you're not this person. You're this person. Like you're yeah, like one is better good. than the other. Yeah. And then you also can't promise them. Like I said, like, especially if they're at the beginning of the recovery journey, you can't fully promise how their body's going to change oh, if they've been restricting or other things. Yeah. So then if their body does end up looking like what they've drawn. Yeah. I can see. I've never really like, thought of it that like, way. Because I think it's one thing for me to say, your body doesn't look like what you think it looks like. You don't yeah. see reality. That's one thing. But for me mm-hmm. to send the message, don't worry, your body isn't as big as you think it is, mm-hmm. is so dangerous. Yeah. Because we want to help. Like body image work is not about changing um, the way I like feel about what I look like. Mm-hmm. It's changing the way I feel about my body and the way I relate yeah. to my body because I might never look at my thighs and love them, mm-hmm. love the way they look. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I might never love the way they look. I might not ever love that I have cellulite and what it looks like. That is crazy to 
especially somebody mm-hmm. in early recovery to be able to like what yeah. that might not ever be your goal your goal mm-hmm. is not to find rest and like oh god i look better than i thought mm-hmm. the the work is to be like oh what i look like does not really matter when it comes to who i am yeah yes yeah like there's more to you than mm-hmm. like how you look aesthetically mm-hmm. mm. which can sound like just heresy for someone who's in like the beginning and all throughout struggling with body image and body dysmorphia of like no it actually really really does matter i mean that's why diets are so popular because people are trying to pursue that weight loss mm-hmm. and then they find out that maybe they lose the weight but it doesn't fix the body image piece because you're still in the same like the reason that like just losing weight one is because then you risk just the distortions and all of that mm-hmm. but because you're not actually changing what gave you the indication that there was something wrong with you mm-hmm. it wasn't really ever about your weight it was about the story you made up about your weight or your body yeah. and so we might change your body but that's actually reinforcing the story mm-hmm. they're like you're only valuable if you weigh this or you're only loved if you weigh this amount Let's say I got bullied when I was younger for being in a larger body and then I lost all of this weight. I'm reinforcing that I should have been bullied because I was in a larger body and she was mm-hmm. right. Now you can't bully me and now I'm safe and okay because I'm smaller. Mm-hmm. But you're reinforcing that, that that body is bad. But So you're not actually fixing the bigger issue is the fact that that person made you feel like you are watered down to what you look like. Mm-hmm. And if I'm watered down to what I look like, you are forever going to be chasing your worthiness and hustling for it. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of us, like I know for me, like my body cannot maintain a typical, what is in Mm -hmm. magazines and society, body size by living a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It takes extreme behaviors for me to look Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. So if, uh, my value is in, and that person was right. Let's say I'm, I am that person and she was right. And I'm, I'm less than if I look just how my body naturally looks, then I will be like giving up half of my living in that small world that I talked about mm-hmm. earlier yeah. in my life. And like, Oh my God, mm. I don't want to do that. No, that's not living. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's a really, really good way to put that. So then with all of this, like with body image struggles, with body dysmorphia, and I guess these will probably be two separate things that are probably two different answers, but in working with clients and maybe thinking of, because I know there's probably tons of things and I mean, it takes lots of therapy and all of that, but maybe thinking through like, like if someone's listening and they're like, okay, what are some like things that I can do to help navigate my body image or to help rewrite the way I relate to my body or the way that I view my body. And I guess maybe that's more on like the negative body image, because I know there's probably more that goes with body dysmorphia. We can get to that in a second, but yeah. How, how would you help maybe even in just the like initial stages? So I think negative body image is one thing where you might want to look at where does your idea of what is good and bad come from? 
Mm-hmm. Like, where is your, where is your opinion coming from? And is that a, mm-hmm. like a viable source? Like if my opinion of good and bad is coming from cosmopolitan magazine, <laughs> people still read magazines. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> I don't know. They need to not, but they, yeah. or some, well, they can like, read like random ones. Not yeah. Magazine. Or like some awesome. random like wellness influencer that has no credit, but like you don't mm-hmm. know the story and like, Again, if that's where it's coming from, well, we know that those industries are built on making us feel bad about ourselves. And so mm-hmm. is that a credible source? I don't know. Like, I don't think so. And so I think yeah. that one thing that I would, people who have negative body image, like just that part, I would look at, okay, well, where's, where's your scale coming from? And mm-hmm. maybe your scale of, is off. And also mm-hmm. you are allowed to disagree with people. And I yeah. think that's something that, a lot of people are like, well, I know that. And I'll use the example a lot of times of, let's say you, your favorite type of sandwich is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you go sit next to somebody and you pull it out and you're so excited to eat it. And the person next to you is saying, it says to you, ooh, you like peanut butter. Are you then going to be like, I don't like peanut butter anymore? Mm, yeah. That's what we do with, that's what we let people do with what we look like. It's like, oh, like, what if I have this, awesome outfit and I look think I look so like great and I look blah 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 and I go out and somebody's like makes a comment of like you look disgusting or like yeah it's like oh do I now believe what they believe mm. and so we need to remind ourselves that like we're allowed to have opinions that aren't the same as everybody else's and even aren't the majority yeah because they're not gonna be I mean especially thinking of anything related to food and body image, the majority is going to be in favor of the smaller you are, the better you are, the less you eat, the better you are, carbs are bad. Like all of those diet messages are going to be more of the majority, depending on what your circles, like friend circles and social media feeds look like, but that's, yeah. Yeah. And look at like how in society, like there's this connotation that like, larger bodies or quote like fat bodies are bad Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. small bodies are good. Smaller bodies are better. Mm -hmm. So that I think we have to start like plowing through that system of actually, please somebody give me all of the, the research and the reason Mm -hmm. why a certain size body makes you a more valuable or less valuable or more worthy or less worthy person. Now, mm. I think the problem is society has treated people differently based on yeah. that. Yeah. And so that's where we get into, I mean, this is, I could get on a rabbit trail with all of this, but we have to start with ourselves of like, I need to allow myself to have a different opinion. If I mm-hmm. ever want any, if we ever want to see real change too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Starts with us. Guys, that's like a cliche. Starts with you. <laughs> Change starts yeah. with you and your heart. Yeah. But it's so true. Like we can't expect things to change if we don't change the way we view our own body. Kind of like what you were talking about at the beginning with your whole, like your own journey through recovery and working in therapy. Like you can't expect to help other people change if you didn't make changes yourself. Not to say that, you know, you and I don't still have struggles, but like you can't expect if you don't reach that point of admitting like, okay, I know that the size of my body does not hold any weight, no pun intended in like my value, my worth, all those sorts of things. 
And I know that's not going to be the popular answer, but that's, that's what I'm believing to be true. Yeah. And I don't want to send the wrong messages as in like, every time I see myself, I think I look amazing. I love everything that I, I'm Mm -hmm. seeing. I have really bad days where I like, don't like what I see, but it does not change how I feel about who I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I tell, I tell clients that a lot because I find that in journeying through like negative body image to operating out of more of a place of like body respect or even like body positivity, it can be overwhelming for people to think like, how am I supposed to go from hating my body to all of a sudden loving it and knowing like, that's not really the goal. Like the goal is that you can respect your body and that you reframe the way you look at it and the way you associate your weight with like your worth, AKA you don't associate them together, but you're still going to have bad body image days. And then it's more so like, okay, maybe in the past, that's then when I would use my eating disorder or other behaviors to then cope with this feeling that I have about my body. But now you don't, or now you'd have like more productive ways to cope with those hard days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Not that I was thinking that either, but I think that's good to clarify because it's easy for people to see like even people like you and I who work in this field of like eating disorder, body image type work to think like, Oh, well, so then the end goal is to reach this place where you just love your body and you're always happy with it. It's like, no, that's like not, that would be such a shallow goal too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's unrealistic. Um, Yeah. So then anything else in terms of like, what would be things that would help with someone struggling with body dysmorphia? I mean, I think probably like, therapy is a big thing that helps because there's so many more layers there. Yeah. I think that one really has involves getting help from somebody who does this type of work because most people who have body dysmorphia don't know it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, that's going to involve somebody being able to sit with you and guide you through it. Um, Because Mm -hmm. if you don't know, you aren't seeing what's, really there and then you're just going to keep see like there's yeah yeah Um, yeah Yeah, that makes sense so last question that's my favorite question to ask people um so i'm a huge foodie and so i love to hear what people's favorite food memory is whether it's like a favorite food item a recipe a restaurant what is and that's another long, I could do like a whole podcast episode. <laughs> Memories. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I saw that question and I was like, I don't really know. I don't know mm-hmm. that I have necessarily like one, like food memory that I'm like, oh, that or one meal or one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I, what did come up when I was thinking about that was like this season of like recovery for me, mm-hmm. it's like a big giant food memory because mm-hmm. for 20 something years of my life, food was, had so much stuff tied to it. Yeah. And even when I ate foods I loved, there was a feeling of guilt and shame. Um, and now I'm able to like eat foods I love and just mm-hmm. feel a lot of joy so I mm-hmm. think now I'm in like this one large food memory when I'm like, yeah, yeah I get every to, food. Yeah. And I yeah. get to really enjoy it. And, um, that's something that you would have asked me a, a long time ago. I I'm like, wait, 
you mean that I can actually eat whatever I listen mm. to my body and mm-hmm. eat the things that I want and not feel like I'm doing it to avoid shame or to sit in my shame? Mm. Crazy. Yes. Crazy. Yes. But it's possible. Uh, also, and I really yeah. do have favorite foods, popcorn. Uh, it's so good. Popcorn. I, I, like all like kinds of like gourmet popcorn. Uh-huh. Like, oh. Isn't there's a gourmet popcorn place near your house, right? The one that's in the L and L. Yeah. Yeah. Not I like the like what I love is like when you go to like a festival and they have like warm mm-hmm. kettle corn. Yes. We had that. Oh, you I don't I guess we weren't friends yet, but that was our we had that at our wedding as like a little like um party favorite thing for everyone. Oh, I will be having yeah. that. Yeah. Would be awesome. And then what happened, which you should also do this. Some of my friends decided to then use that as like, you know how we had like a sparkler exit, but then people were throwing popcorn <laughs> on us. That shit, that so, honestly would yeah. be amazing because I, I'm so obsessed with popcorn. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. So that yeah. happen. And another food I think that you like, I'll tell you what your food memories are, is the <laughs> blueberry muffin, the muffins from Frothy Monkey. <laughs> Only they have mu- blueberries in them. Remember that yeah. one time there's no berries in it? Yes. I'm like, this is a scam. Where are the blueberries? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So if people are listening, they want to follow you on Instagram, all the things, where can people find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram at, at three chords therapy and also at you need therapy podcast. And then they can find me like on the interwebs, just threechordstherapy.com. Woohoo. Yeah. She Kat has an awesome podcast. So if you don't already listen to it, listen to it. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. Start with episode three. Did we say it? <laughs> I thought you were going to say one. And then I was... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I do. It's a great episode. Yeah. Oh, I do remember that. Cause it was right. We did it about like, New Year's and all the different yeah, diets. In my house. Yes. Yes. Oh, back when before coronavirus. I know. Okay. I can't think about it. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Well, this is great. I feel like I learned a lot and everyone listening, I know, will learn a lot. So thank you for coming on the show. I'm glad we finally made it happen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. And be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We'll see you next episode.